Al-Bayan Radio presents a brief explanation of the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi presented by Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله الأحد القهار وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون Indeed all praise and thanks belongs to Allah وتعالى alone We seek his help, his assistance and guidance in all things He whom Allah وتعالى, Allah وتعالى guides there is no misguidance for him And he whom Allah وتعالى leads astray there is no guidance for him Except through the will and permission of Allah وتعالى alone and I bear witness and testify that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah, and that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al-Hashimi al-Qurashi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind. O you who believe, fear Allah as he deserves to be feared, and do not die except in a state of Islam, do not die except that you are Muslims. رَبِّ شْرَحْ لِي صَدْرِي وَيَسْرْ لِي أَمْرِي وَأَحْلُ الْعُقْتَةَ مِنْ لِسَانِي يَفْقَوْ قَوْلِي الحمد لله, this is lesson 45, hadith 28. Part 3, and inshallah today will be the end of this hadith, bi-ibnillahi tabarak wa ta'ala. And we'll begin with the Arabic. An Abi Najihin al-Irbad ibn Sariyata radiyallahu anhu qala, wa'adhana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam maw'idatan, wajilat minha al-qulub, wadharafat minha al-uyun, faqulna ya Rasulullah, ka'annaha maw'idatum wa'ad-di'in, fa'awsina. Fa'qala al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, u'siikum bi-taqwa Allahi azza wa jal, والسمع والطاعة وإن تأمر عليكم عبد فإنه من يعيش منكم فسيرى اختلافا كثيرا فعليكم بسنتي وسنة الخلفاء الراشدين المهديين عضوا عليها بالنواجد وإياكم ومحدثات الأمور فإن كل بدعة ضلالة رواه أبو داود والترمذي وقال حديث حسن صحيح إمام النووي رحمه الله سيد حديث 28 it was narrated on the authority of Abu Najihin, Al-Arbad ibn Sariyah, radiyallahu anhu, who said, Alhamdulillah, we took the biography of this companion in the first lesson, who said, the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, delivered an admonition, uh, admonition that made our hearts fearful and our eyes tearful. We said, O Messenger of Allah, it is as if this were a farewell sermon, so advise us. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, I enjoin you to have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that you listen and obey even if a slave was made a ruler over you. This was lesson two we took up until this point and today we will be covering this part. He amongst you who lives long enough will see many differences. So for you is to observe my sunnah and the sunnah of the rightly guided caliphs. Hold on to them with your molar teeth and beware of newly invented matters for every bid'ah is an error collected by Abu Dawood and At-Tirmidhi who said this hadith is both sound and sahih and authentic. Insha'Allah, we'll collect, يعني, we'll continue where we left off. Uh, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam states, فَإِنَّهُ مَنْ يَعِشْ مِنْكُمْ فَسَيَارَ اخْتِلَافًا كَثِيرًا He who lives amongst you, after me, will see a great deal of differences. A great deal of differing. And the Prophet ﷺ is informing this nation of what would occur to this nation after the death of the Prophet ﷺ. And from the great differences that had occurred after his death till now, that occurred in the foundational principles of this religion, and 
its branches, and the foundational principles and its branches, and differences in statements, actions, and beliefs. But these great differences can also be يعني, seen through the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that is found in Sunnah ibn Majah on the authority of Anas an, and in Sunan al-Tirmidhi on the authority of Abu Hurair an, and in Musnad Imam Ahmad on the authority of Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan where the Prophet ﷺ, he says in the famous hadith that we have all heard in Ummati in Bani Israel indeed the Jews, uh, Bani Israel, the Jews and the Christians, the children of Israel, they split and became into 71 sects. And in another narration, it says that the Jews were 71, the Christians were 72. However, in this hadith, in the one that's found in Musnad Imam Ahmad and Ibn Majah, it just says 71, that the children of Israel splintered into 71 sects. وَإِنَّ أُمَّتِي سَتَفْتَرِقُ عَلَى ثِنْتَيْنِ وَسَبْعِينَ فِرْقَةٍ And my nation will splinter into 72 sects. كُلُّهَا فِي النَّارِ إِلَّا وَاحِدًا All of them are in the hellfire except one. وَهِيَ الْجَمَاعَةِ وَهِيَ الْجَمَاعَةِ And it is the great congregation. It is, يعني the jama'ah over here is explained by the scholars. As the jama'ah of the companions, what they were upon. But Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah says in the sharh of this hadith, he says that this jama'ah, uh, and about this hadith, he says, إِلَّا فِرْقَةٌ وَاحِدَةٌ Except the one, يعني the saved sect, the one sect that is in paradise, وَهِيَ مَنْ كَانَ عَلَى مَا هُوَ عَلَيْهِ وَأَصْحَابِهِ وَأَصْحَابُهُ وَهِيَ مَنْ كَانَ عَلَى مَا هُوَ عَلَيْهِ وَأَصْحَابُهُ That... It is this firqatun najiyah, this saved sect. It is those who are upon what the Prophet wasallam was upon. And his companions. This is the jama'ah. The jama'ah of the Prophet wasallam and the companions that were there. For this is something that is very, very important and to understand is that when we talk about the jama'ah, we're not talking about the congregation of the people that we are seeing around us. Because whenever this is mentioned in the Qur'an and the Sunnah, if you look at Al-Aghlab, most of the people, then you see that most of the people upon kufr are upon disbelief, and most of the people are upon what? Innovation. Not all of the people are upon Qur'an and Sunnah. It's very rare. It's something that Rasulullah said that it was gharib. It started off with يعني, ghurba. It started off with being strange. And he said that this religion will also end by being strange. Something that is nadir, something that you don't see very often, something that is different to the rest of the people. So if someone were to look at the people and say, the Prophet wasallam says, all of them are in the hellfire except one, which is the jama'ah. So he says the jama'ah means the great gathering of people or the great يعني, amount of people or the congregation. If one were to look at the congregation, does it mean you take what everyone is upon? No. If the whole ummah was to unite, and this is not possible because of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, which states that the ummah cannot unite upon something that is misguided. But I'm saying, hypothetically speaking, if the ummah were to gather together and say that now we are only going to pray Dhuhr and Asr. That's it. Dhuhr 
and Asr. Fajr, it's a bit hard, it's a bit cold right now. Isha, it's getting hard to leave and leave home. It's, it's a bit cold as well. So he's going to pray Dhuhr and If everyone were to accept it, do we have to accept it? No. Even if the entire jama'ah were upon falsehood, it's not that we accept the jama'ah, the great congregation. No. It's following the congregation that was there with the Prophet ﷺ. That is what we try to aim to emulate. The companions of the Prophet ﷺ because Rasulullah ﷺ stated that the best generation is my generation. The best of this nation, the Prophet ﷺ said is Ashabi. Then those that followed them and those that followed them. But what we understand from here is that the understanding of the companions ajma'in, and those that followed in their way, that is the best way. That is the best way. And that is what we're trying to يعني, hone in on, that this is the most important thing. It's that it's not about the majority of the people. It's not about what everyone says, oh, everyone is doing this. That's not important. What is important is we try to get back to what happened then with the Prophet ﷺ and his companions. And subhanAllah, if we look at this hadith, we see in it a miracle of the Prophet ﷺ where he's informing us of the unseen. He is telling us that this ummah is going to differ, is going to split, it's going to splinter. And this is from the miracles of the Prophet ﷺ. Why? It's because he didn't see what happened after he died. And he wasn't alive, he was dead. But in this is a miracle of the Prophet ﷺ. And we see that the groups that appeared after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, it happened from day dot. Literally when the Prophet ﷺ died, it began. And it started off with those who first wanted to yani, split zakah from this religion. Day dot, from the beginning, from the get-go, after the Prophet ﷺ passed away, what happened is that people wanted to say that we used to pay zakah in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, and we're not going to do that now. So this was the first difference that happened. And as from the understanding of the companions is that they left the fold of Islam and they were killed for this, having this view. Then we also understand that at the end of the يعني, line of the companions, the Qadariya appeared. Those who stated that there's no such thing as Qadar technically per se. And then, يعني, I'm not going in chronological order, but also in that time frame, the fitna of the khawarij, those who splintered away from the group of the Muslims and had their own ideology that if you sin, you leave Islam. They had their own mentality and they killed others of the Sahaba. They killed Sahaba, not others of the Sahaba. These people, these young people left and they waged war against the Sahaba. Hatta the people who killed the Sahaba, some of them used to rejoice by saying, Alhamdulillah, that I killed this person. And can this be imagined that someone leaves يعني, guidance on such a level that when he kills someone who is of the greatest echelon of يعني, the companions, from, some, from some of the noble companions, they killed them and they were rejoicing and saying, Alhamdulillah, I killed this enemy of Allah. So sometimes being having sincerity is not enough. But that's another thing. Then we saw in the end of the يعني, lifetimes of the companions of the Allah, the Rafidah, the Shia, 
who gave divinity to some elements of divinity to Ali radiallahu an, and we know that what happened to them was that they were actually burnt by Ali radiallahu an alive. Then we see also, as mentioned by Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, that the Murji'ah were also a sect who basically denied Iman increasing, decreasing, and a very long bath. But basically, there was another firqa of the Murji'ah which aimed at looking at the, and it was a group that came as a response to the Khawarij. Um, because the Khawarij were saying that if you sin, you leave the fold. And this one was saying there's no point. If you sin, no sin, it doesn't matter. It's still a Muslim. It was a response. Every extreme has a reaction, subhanAllah. But then you had at the end, you had the Murji'ah who appeared. This is in i'tiqad. This is in creedal beliefs. This is in the essence of Islam, the foundational principles of Islam. But we also saw that يعني, um, innovative practices had appeared in this time frame. Uh, Umar radiallahu an wanted to lash or began to lash a group. Um, basically what happened was that someone wrote to Umar radiallahu an and stated that there are a group of people who are making dua together. And they make dua for the Amir. And they make dua for the Amir, the leader as well. So يعني, what do we do? So he said, come with them to me. Now, come, bring them. So when a group appeared, subhanAllah, the Umar radiallahu an told the, the, the person behind the door to lock it behind them and to get the whips ready. And as they came in, he started to begin to whip their leader. And what happened was that this person said, no, no, we are not the people that you think it is. That's another people that's coming from another place. We're not them. But what this story shows is that Umar radiallahu an was staunch against also innovative practices that had occurred. And there are other deviances that had occurred in that time frame. But the Prophet ﷺ says, okay, you're going to see great differences, not just in creed, in also people doing things that are incorrect. What do you do? Because the Prophet ﷺ will never give us something except that he gives us the cure with it. He never just gives you a problem and you can't solve it. What do we do? Figure it out yourselves. No, he gives you the problem, but he gives you how to solve the problem. And he says, what is this? يعني, the solution to this issue? فَعَلَيْكُمْ بِسُنَّتِي And upon you is my sunnah, my path, my way. Now, sunnah يعني, generally means, linguistically يعني, especially, means that it is a path that it is followed. It is a path that it is followed. So, it could be good, it could be bad. It doesn't necessarily have a good connotation or a bad connotation in, in linguistic. It could be sunnatullah, sunnat al-shaytan. It could be يعني, the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the way of the devil. However, in the Islamic meaning, it has a few extra things. And because it is something that it is so broad, that it is something that is to be followed, it covers many things linguistically. A lot of things can come under it. From that is beliefs, actions, and statements. Now, this is why you find books of the Salaf, a lot of them have not been translated in Asaf, but you find books of the Salaf, early generation, that are just under the title of a sunnah For instance, Imam Ahmad has uh, a book called As-Sunnah, or some others have called it Al-Rad'a uh, Al-Jahmiyyah. And his son, Imam Abdullah ibn Ahmad, he has a book called As-Sunnah. And Imam Al-Khalal, rahimahullah, has a book called As-Sunnah. Imam Al-Barbahari, rahimahullah, has a book called As-Sunnah. Imam Al-Muzani, rahimahullah, has a book called As-Sunnah. Imam Al-Marwazi, rahimahullah, has a book called As-Sunnah. These books, subhanAllah, you won't see that it's 
normally like Sahih Bukhari or Sahih Muslim. It doesn't tell you the position of the Sunnah in يعني, how we see it. These are books in Aqeedah. These are books in Aqeedah that the Salaf had wrote. Why? Is because it is something that is so integral, the path that needs to be maintained, the path that needs to be uphold, upheld, this is what they classified as being a Sunnah. So it's an umbrella term. Even Aqeedah comes under it. Linguistically, when you think about it, and even in the Shara'ah, even in the understanding of يعني, Islam. And subhanAllah, because Aqeedah is so important and it's so foundational, in this religion, the Salaf used to refer to that also as a sunnah. Uh, Half of uh, Ibn Salah was asked a question that some people um, stated that Imam Malik used, some people would say about him that he would combine sunnah and hadith. What does that mean? How can you combine sunnah and hadith? Because now we think about it and we think about it, it's the same thing. What does that mean? So Hafiz Salah, rahimahullah, he replies, and he stated that <coughs> a person can be a scholar in hadith, but still be an innovator. A person can be a scholar in hadith, but still be an, an, an innovator. Afwan, the, the actual, يعني, his reply starts from Imam Malik, rahimahullah, uh, he Combined both the sunnah and the hadith. And a person, and he stated that the sunnah is opposition to bid'ah. This is Hafid ibn Salah stating that the sunnah is opposing the bid'ah. And he stated that a person may be a scholar in hadith, in hadith, but also be an innovator. Whereas Imam Malik rahimahullah combined both the sunnah, yani he was a scholar of hadith, and believed in the sunnah, yani in the aqeedah, with no bid'ah. So Imam Malik rahimahullah combined aqeedah and hadith. So he was upon the method, methodology of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and the companions in refuting innovation. And he was a scholar in the actual hadith itself. Now what is hadith? Yani when we talk about hadith, to the muhaddithin, it has a very specific yani, understanding. Because if you talk to the people of fiqh, when they say something is sunnah, it means today, quote-unquote, optional. Do it, don't do it, nothing happens. But with the muhaddithin, the scholars of hadith, there is a specific meaning. It says, yani the, the, the actual meaning, the definition would be, مَا أُثِرَ عَنِ النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ مِنْ قَوْلٍ That which has been reported, to the Prophet ﷺ from his statements. This is the first. Aw fi'lin or his actions. Aw taqreerin his tacit approvals. We'll go through each of them inshallah. Aw sifatin khalqiyya aw khuluqiyya or his physical attributes or his mannerisms and some have also added aw siratihi and his life after revelation. This all comes under the term of hadith and sunnah also sometimes. It's something that's interchangeable. We'll go through min qawlin, the Prophet like this hadith. Let's just take that as an example. This is a hadith also. Now, the Prophet for instance used to pray witr 
in many different cycles, but used to end it in a witr by doing a single prayer. Right? He never used to yani, leave it at two. No, he'd pray three, five, seven, nine. That's how he would pray. So this is a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ from his actions. Or taqreerin, the story of Khalid radiallahu an and the Prophet ﷺ when they put a plate of food in front of him, uh, it was uh, al-dab, uh, the, the type of lizard. Let's not start. But basically, he put a plate of food that wasn't known to Quraysh, wasn't known to the people of Mecca, and Khalid radiallahu anhu started to eat. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam didn't eat. So then the people who organized the food, they're like, Ya Rasulullah, you're not eating? Is it haram for us? He said, it's not haram, it's just يعني, not from the ta'am of my qawm. It's not from the food of my people. So over here, this taqreer of the Prophet ﷺ, there's two things here. He's also said that it's halal. But the fact that he let Khalid do something and not stop him from doing something, that approval in his presence is something called a tacit approval. So he approved of something that someone did, and because he did so, it was legislation. It's approval because the Prophet ﷺ cannot see anything done in front of him that was haram except that he make bayan of it. He can't let the people do things that are not permissible. So that comes under it. Oh, sifatin khalqiya. All his physical attributes. For instance, how we know the Prophet ﷺ had long hair. Right? This comes, you'll see these things in the books of hadith. That the Prophet ﷺ was not too tall, not too short. Right? So these things also come under it. Oh, khulqiya. That the Prophet ﷺ, for instance, his mannerisms. He would eat with, for instance, three fingers. Or the Prophet ﷺ would do things in a certain way. Yani his actual manners and etiquette. How he would sit down, like for instance, when the Prophet ﷺ would laugh, you'd see his teeth. You see these hadiths in yani, the, the books of hadith. And they all come under it. And even... The seerah of the Prophet ﷺ come under it. And then, inshallah that's clear. Inshallah that's clear. I know we're going a bit quick, but we need to finish this book, يعني, this hadith today, inshallah. وَسُنَّةِ الْخُلَفَاءَ الرَّاشِدِينَ الْمَهْدِيِينَ الْخُلَفَاءَ الرَّاشِدِينَ And upon you, the Prophet ﷺ, is the sunnah, my sunnah and the sunnah of the rightly guided khalifa, the khalifs. Now, who are they? We know Abu Bakr. Umar, Uthman, Ali, Hassan radiallahu anhum ajma'in Why do we include Hassan? Because of the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Al-Khilafah Al-Khilafatu ba'di 30 sana Thumma takunu mulkan That the Khilafah after me is going to be 30 years And then it will become kingship So what we understand is that Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali Was 29 years and a half 29 years and a half and for six months or so, some people say 29 and a third, uh, and two thirds, but for six months generally, it ended at Ali radiallahu an. Then for six months, the leadership went to Hassan radiallahu an, and then he stepped down from the Khilafah and gave the Khilafah up. Now, that is the third, يعني, that is mentioned as the rightly guided Khalifs of the three, uh, 30 years. Now, why are they called? 
Rashidin, Khulafa, guided. But why are they called Rashidin, rightly guided? Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah states that because they knew the haqq and ruled upon it. They knew the truth and ruled upon it. And guidance is opposite to misguidance. Misguidance is knowing the truth and not following that guidance. Um, then the Prophet ﷺ, after saying alaykum upon you, which is one form of taqid, one form of trying to put it on you, right? If that was enough, by saying alaykum upon you is my sunnah and the sunnah of the Khulafa al-Rashidin, right? The rightly guided caliphs. What did the Prophet ﷺ then say? Hold on to it with your mawla teeth, your back teeth. Not the front teeth, because that's something you can, something's in your front. You can pull it out. But when some, when you're holding onto something that's back in the back of your teeth, it's the strongest possible grip that you have in your mouth. You can't hold onto anything from your mouth stronger than that back molar teeth, right? What is this trying to tell you? Is hold onto it firmly like your life depends on it. Hold on to it like nothing else matters. If you're holding on to something with your mouth, aslan, you're pretty desperate. <laughs> you've got a lot of issues then and there. But if you're holding on to if you're holding on, clinging on for dear life, bite onto it. Bin with your back molar teeth. Very, very important. Then the Prophet says, and I warn you from the newly invented matters, for indeed every newly invented matter is a misguidance. Now, before we look at the dangers and ramifications of the newly invented matters and practices, we need to first look at and understand what is bid'ah, what is an innovation in this religion. Now, there have been many definitions of يعني, scholars, but first, we have to look at two things, linguistically and in the context of the sharia. Linguistically, what is a bid'ah? A bid'ah in the Arabic language it means something that is new. Something that is new. Something that no one has done before. And it doesn't necessarily have a negative connotation in the Arabic language. It, it's not something that's negative. In the, in the religion it's negative. But in the linguistic form it has no problem. You, something can be a bid'ah. You know, something can be new and it can be good. But, and this can also be found in you know, the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is stated that Badi'u samawati wal ard that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who fashioned created from nothing no rival from before nothing like that he fashioned the universe right he was the originator of the universe he created the universe right so this concept is not something that is negative linguistically but in the context of the sharia the most uh, the best definition that has been given was by Imam Ibrahim bin Musa al-Shatibi rahimahullah who passed away in the year 790 uh, 790 after the hijrah of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in his famous book Al-I'tisam now over here he states that in the sharia the word bid'a means tariqah fi al-deen mukhtara'ah tudahi biha al-shari'a that it is a method in the religion that is new that rivals the method of the sharia of the religion now this is this is one of the definitions another one is al-amal alladhi la dalilun alayhi fi shar that it is an action that has no evidence in the religion 
So the first one is a tariqa fiddin, a method in the religion. The second is la dalilun alayhi fi shara, no evidence from the religion, from yani, the evidence that we have. So what is evident from both of these definitions is that when we're speaking about innovations, we are talking in the context of the sharia. We are talking in the context of the religion. That we are specifically talking about actions in the religion and beliefs in the religion and statements in the religion. Actions and statements come under, for we can just say it covers actions and beliefs. That this is specific to these two things. That something has to have evidence and something can't rival the method of the sharia. Something has to have a dalil and something can't go against the method of the sharia. Now the asl of يعني, this principle is found in a hadith that is found in both Bukhari and Muslim on the, on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha عن عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من أحدث في أمرنا هذا ما ليس منه فهو رد that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم stated that whoever introduces into our affair that which is not from it is rejected and the hadith in صحيح مسلم من عمل عملا ليس عليه أمرنا فهو رد and whoever performs any action in our in accordance to our affair Anyone who performs any action that is not in accordance to our affair, then it is rejected. And يعني, Imam Ahmad, rahimahullah, as we all remember, inshallah, that we covered this hadith previously in one of the earliest classes, is that this is one third of the religion. But this, يعني, what these hadith and these statements categorically state, is that when we are talking about innovations, we are talking about this sharia. We are talking about the matters of this religion. So يعني, we're not over here, we're not talking about... Yani introductions that have come in the dunya world We're not talking about pasta, pizza, airplanes and cars We're talking about very important things in this religion Because that's the thing that they usually come and say If everything's a bid'ah to you guys How come you guys drive cars and not camels? Yani we've all heard this stupidity But we're not talking about cars and camels We're talking about this religion We're talking about this religion And inshallah, yani that is clear Uh the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam shows us the <laughs> Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam shows us the danger of innovated matters, and he says sallallahu alaihi wasallam he says it is rejected. It is something that you get nothing from it. You don't get any benefit, and this is the the peak. I say, Allahu alam, the peak of stupidity, because if you do something, you want to benefit from it. You want something from do. You know, one does something al fadi for no reason. Right? They want a benefit, whether it's dunyawi or ukhrawi, whether it's for the dunya or the akhirah. If they do something, they either want monetary something, yani some benefit, or they want ajr from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if you do something and it's rejected, there's no point for you to do it. So you've done all this effort and you're getting nothing back. You're getting nothing back. So it's literally the peak of stupidity to yani, force yourself on this, on this method. But... We have to, يعني, I want to, I know there's a lot of tired faces. La ilaha illallah. Whenever you perform any action, any action, it's the reason that we do it is to come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We want the reward to, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't do it for any other reason. When someone says that it's rejected, it's something that tells you that there's no point for you to do it. So make sure whatever you do is in accordance to our effort. Make sure it has dalil. Make sure it has evidences. And this, يعني, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he states that this is the way 
for every believer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, as we all know the famous verse, Whatever the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gives you, take it. Whatever he has told you to abstain from, abstain from it. This is something that is very, very important, insha'Allah. I want to focus just on one last thing before we finish, <coughs> is that the Prophet why do we make such a big deal out of this? It's because the Prophet he stated uh, on the authority of Abdullah ibn Amr radiallahu anhu, قَالَ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِنَّهُ لَمْ يَكُنْ نَبِيٌّ قَبْلِي إِلَّا كَانَ حَقًّا عَلَيْهِ أَنْ يَدُلَّ أُمَّتَهُ عَلَى خَيْرٍ مَا يَعْلَمُهُ لَهُمْ وَيُنْذِرُهُمْ شَرًّا مَا يَعْلَمُهُ لَهُمْ الحديث رواه المسلم There's a hadith in Sahih Muslim that the Prophet stated that there was no messenger before me except that it was an obligation upon him an obligation upon him to guide his nation to all the, the good that he knew and to warn his nation from all that was evil. It was an obligation for every messenger to say what was obligatory for them to know at that time. Everything that he knew, he had to tell. Now their religions, everyone before the Prophet ﷺ, was restricted to their time and their place. Bani Israel, the prophets that were there, it was for their people. It was for their nation, for their time, for their yani, province that they were in. Whereas the Prophet ﷺ, his religion was for all the nas, that's the first thing, for everyone in his time, for every person that was alive, but not just that, from that time till the end of time. So his religion, yani the religion that he came with, had to be the final stamp, so it had to be everything that everyone needed, up until the day of judgment. So when you come and you say that this is something that the Prophet ﷺ didn't tell us, you have to understand the ramifications of it. Is you're saying that you are telling us something that the Prophet ﷺ didn't know, you know better than the Prophet ﷺ, and you're giving us something good that I should do, but the Prophet ﷺ never told me. So what you are actually doing is accusing the Prophet ﷺ of two things, either ignorance, that he didn't know this good thing that you got out of your pocket, or that he knew it and he didn't tell you it. Kitman al-ilm. That he knew this good thing, but he didn't tell us this good thing. And both of those are mustahil, impossible on the right of the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ informed us of everything that we need to know. And in this religion is kafir. In this religion is sufficient. We don't need anything else from anyone else. For this is something that is very, very important. And we know that, and I know this is, it seems a bit repetitive and everyone's heard these things, but we know from the, the verses in Surah Ma'idah, that today, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Ma'idah verse 30, today I have perfected upon you, for you, your religion, and completed my favor and bestowed my favor upon you, and I have been pleased for you as Islam as your religion. For nothing, the, the scholars have stated, scholars of tafsir have stated once this verse came, no legislation came after it. No halal haram came after it. That was it. That was the line. For it's something that is very, very important that we understand why we make a very, very big deal out of this because of what 
يعني the statement of Imam Malik رحمه الله also which gives you the خلاصة of this the final crux of this issue من ابتدع في الإسلام بدعة يراها حسنة whoever introduces into this religion and sees it as something good فقد زعم أن محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم قد خان الرسالة that he has accused the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم has of betraying the message لأن الله يقول اليوم أكملت لكم اليوم أكملت لكم دينكم وأنتممت عليكم نعمتي ورديت لكم الإسلام دينا because Allah سبحانه وتعالى says today I perfected upon you your religion favored and and bestowed my favor upon you and have chosen Islam as your religion Allah سبحانه وتعالى says completed your religion completed the religion is complete for if someone says يعني that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم didn't know this or the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم didn't give us this or this is better than the, the, the يعني what the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم has given us has accused the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم of not giving us this message this is why we make a big deal out of it and Imam Malik رحمه الله he continues and says فَمَا لَمْ يَكُنْ يَوْمَ إِذِنْ دِينًا فَلَا يَكُونَ الْيَوْمَ دِينًا and whatever wasn't deen on that day whatever wasn't religion on that day isn't religion today the religion is complete the religion is finite now <coughs> How much time do we have? How long has it been? Okay, we'll just do one more minute, a few more minutes, inshallah. A lot of people, when we state this hadith, they usually bring the examples. Whenever we talk about bid'ah, they have usually two avenues that they go through. One is the avenue that we see, for instance, why do you have rice? Why do you have pasta? Why do you have pizza? This was not found in the Prophet's time. Or why do you drive cars? Why do you do one, two, and three? And you see it. Wallahi, I heard in my own ears when someone told someone that, for instance, a nasheed, a nasheed was, was an innovation. The guy said and he was driving a taxi and he told him, leave and walk and go get a camel because this is car is, not, is also a bidah. Like, yani, this is why. And he was a brother from India uh, or Jamaica or something like that. But this is, you hear these things. You hear these things. It's not ba'id. Don't think that it's stupidity. It happens. People will say, how can we go against bid'ah innovations if this whole world is innovated? We have ACs, we have airplanes, we have everything now. The Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi. Um, yani, so obviously that we've taken. That we understand. That that's not what's meant when we talk about bid'ah. We're talking about matters of the religion. We're talking about matters of the religion. Yani, how much you pray, what you say, what you do, whenever it's in accordance to this religion. The second avenue they take is certain things that were instilled by the Sahaba. So for instance, they يعني, bring the example when the Prophet ﷺ heard the footsteps of Bilal in Jannah. Right? And then he comes to Bilal the next day. And he says, Bilal, what are you doing? Because I heard your footsteps in the paradise. Bilal don't think of anything other than the fact that I perform wudu, I just pray, anytime I perform wudu, I pray two units of prayer. Okay. Now, I agree over here that this is something obviously we are in agreement. However, it happened in the time of the Prophet where he could approve or disprove. Can you do an action now and show me that the Prophet accepts what you are doing, disapproves of what And this is something that is established that even the companions of the Allah Ajma'in, that when they were doing their يعني, dealings after the Prophet ﷺ, they said that now the Prophet isn't here. We have to think about how do we go back to the Prophet 
How do we go back to that understanding of the Prophet ﷺ, but he's not here to approve or disprove? So it's something that's very important. For over here, yes, you're right. Bilal did something that no one else But the only difference that differentiates from us and them is that they have the Prophet ﷺ to say, yes, this And the Prophet ﷺ, in his time, for instance, saw a person praying. He was far away. But the person was praying. He came to the Prophet ﷺ after his prayer and then. So the guy goes, makes, goes and prays again. Comes to the Prophet says, you haven't prayed, go pray again. Third time, he comes, you haven't prayed, go pray. And he says, this is all I know. Teach me the prayer. Teach me the prayer. Because I, I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. So the Prophet first used that method to say, your prayer, you weren't having khushur in your prayer, you did it too fast. Right? When you stand, stand with khushur. Don't just rush your prayer. Right? Like the... the, the Bowing of the chicken that was eating. So the Prophet ﷺ taught him the method of the prayer. But the Prophet ﷺ couldn't see something in front of him except that he made bayan. That's the first thing. Another example they give is, since Uthman he made the adhan for Jum'ah, two adhans. Two adhans. To tell people that come to prayer. And the second was at the actual prayer. How we have we pray Jum'ah after, for instance, the Adhan. They say, see, Uthman, not the Prophet. What happens here? So over here, there are two possible answers. One, the Upon you is my Sunnah and the Sunnah of the Khulafa. His Sunnah has been approved by the Prophet But not just that. So that's, that's enough. But the second is that he made Ijtihad. This program was presented by Al-Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah.